first guest of the year. He is the mayor. He is John Hoven, ready for Kings hockey. The Kings host the Anaheim Ducks tonight in preseason action. That's a 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific start. How are you, Johnny? I'm doing great, Boom. Always honored to be on. Thank you. John, Let's before we get into the Kings, I told you I wanted to talk about the Ducks. They've been an endless source of frustration for me. It was probably over a year ago I first started asking the question, you know, was there pressure on the Ducks to follow up the Kings because they had made the next steps in their rebuild? Clearly there is not. They don't seem to feel any pressure, but it took them months to find a new head coach. It took them months to get Troy Terry signed. They finally got Zegers done yesterday, a week before the season starts. They still don't have Drysdale done. It just it, it doesn't feel like there's any jump in this club, and maybe that's Verbeek's strategy. He's playing it on the lowdown, but where do you feel like the Anaheim Ducks are as we approach seven days from the next NHL season? The words that concern me with that club would be identity and urgency. I don't think there's been an identity established yet. Obviously, they were tearing the whole thing down. They were going to do a complete rebuild from the ground up, and they have done a masterful, a wonderful job of restocking their prospect pool. You and I have talked about that a number of times through the years. So they're stocked, and they're ready to go but there doesn't seem to be any sort of a sense of urgency to get that going. Some odd signings around the July 1st deadline or, or, or signing period, I should say, by Verbeek. You mentioned the contract situation. The urgency just doesn't seem to be there. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how things unfold this season. Is there a, a greater sense of wanting to step on the gas and get this thing going? Obviously, they're not yet ready to compete with teams at the top of the division, but are they ready to take that next step? And this Zegras uh, negotiation period was really interesting, and, and Verbeek's talked a lot about landing on three years and this and that, but this is a guy that I think they're trying to send a message to of, hey, we want you to be more of a well-rounded player. That was in the, in the quotes that came out. You know, We want you to play a 200-foot game, be a two-way player. This is obviously uh, an offensively dynamic player, but he's going to need more. And he's a player who frustrates some of the coaching staff at times and some of his teammates some of that creativity so we'll have to see you know the, the the fans of the nhl want to see more creativity and more of that but when you're a coach and you're trying to implement structure that can be a little bit frustrating so it will be interesting to see where this team goes and the captaincy and a whole bunch of other things but urgency and identity i think those are two things i'd like to see from that club this year you and me both man uh let's get into the la kings john we're doing power rankings after you leave who's under the most pressure in the nhl this season I have a top 10. I don't have a single king in it, but I could. I think there's pressure on Cam Talbot this year coming over, maybe be the guy in net, that missing piece. I think there's pressure on PLD. You know, he got everything he wanted. He got the trade he wanted to the team he wanted. Can he be the difference maker? And for both Rob Blake and Todd McClellan, I think there's pressure. We've been in a long build here. We've had success. We've made playoffs, but we still haven't won a round of playoff hockey, and that needs to come sooner than later. If I were asking you, who's the pressure on in L.A. this year? Well, I would say two of those three players. I don't see a lot of pressure on Cam Talbot. I know that fans might want to put some pressure on him because that's the source of angst when you look at this lineup. It's a loaded lineup, and then you look at the goaltender and you just kind of scratch your head a little bit. But when you sign a guy for you know a million bucks and at, at this stage of his career, I don't know if there is a lot of pressure on him. There might be some expectations, but uh, there's not a lot of pressure uh, on him at this point. It's not like they went out and traded for Hellebuck or they made a big swing 
at goaltender, nor could they because of salary cap restrictions. But when you talk about pressure, I think uh, you're talking about two people specifically. I think you're talking well, about three, and I'm going to give you a new name into the mix here. One is PLD. You mentioned that for all the reasons that you laid out. There is a lot of pressure. Who is PLD? That's what folks around the National Hockey League want to know. Is he the guy that forced his way out of two cities, or is he just somebody who was misunderstood and miscast, and, hey, I never asked to be in Columbus, hey, I never asked to be in Winnipeg, and this is what I asked for, and you're going to really see the best version of me. Obviously, Kings management believes it's more of the latter because they signed him to a long-term deal, and there's a lot of excitement and enthusiasm about getting that player and getting that player locked up long-term. I'll just tell you from my personal standpoint, early gut impression, um, I think that he has been a little bit misunderstood and miscast. I've enjoyed conversations with them. I think he's saying and doing all the right things, and there does seem to be an air of excitement around him coming in and adding a little bit of what Todd McClellan calls snarl to the lineup. Number two would be Todd McClellan. I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure on him. Uh, They have not won a playoff game. It's nice that they've been in the playoffs the last two years. McClellan's going into the final year of his contract here. He'll probably get some sort of a short-term extension over the next week or so. But the reality is he needs to deliver this year. This team needs to deliver for him to shake some of his sort of uh, past criticisms as well as current concerns. Can he be a coach that can get the team over the hump? Uh, Management has certainly given him the lineup to be able to do that. And the last name that I'll give you wasn't a name that you mentioned. He wears number 34 in Los Angeles, and that's Arthur Kaliev. The time is now for Artie to step up and to be able to produce. They're putting him on a line to start the season with PLD and with Kevin Fiala. The opportunities are going to be there. He's going to need to not only score goals, which you know that he can do, he's also going to need to play some defense as well and earn the trust of the coaching staff to be able to get more minutes and be more than a fourth liner, which is what he's been for the last two seasons. Well, you and I have had this conversation before. There's a lot of youngsters in L.A. that we're still waiting to see something from. Uh, Who catches your attention in camp this year? Well, I've said it from the top of every uh, mountaintop and and every interview that I've done here over the last six months. The player to watch is Alex Lafayette. Lafayette is the real deal. He's been at Harvard for the last couple of seasons, signed his pro contract at the end of last year, was able to get into a couple of AHL games, get his feet wet, showed well at development camp, and has continued that here throughout the preseason. He has four points. He's leading the team. Not that preseason stats are a big deal. He's also a plus-three player, which is pretty interesting. He and Jordan Spence, both two players that are looking to make an impact this year. Due to a roster crunch, Lassie's not going to make the opening night roster. In order to do that, they would have to put a number of guys uh, on waivers in order to make that happen, and there really would be no reason to do that. Um, at this point, you could let Laffey go to the American Hockey League, play 20, 30 games, and probably see him up at the midseason point uh, once he gets a little bit more professional hockey under his belt. But this is a player who, as I was talking with Nelson Emerson, King's assistant general manager, about just a month or so ago, he's the type of player that when he's on the ice, you sort of sit up in your seat a little bit and lean forward because you think on any given shift you're going to see something that makes you kind of go ooh and ah. So keep an eye on Alex Lafayette. He's going to be, uh, like I said, with the Ontario Reign, most likely to start the season. Um, But he is one of the reasons that they felt comfortable putting Sammy Fagamo on waivers just the other day. It's because guys like Turcotte are emerging, guys like Lafayette are emerging, and those two players will most likely see time in the NHL at wing at some point this season, even though they don't make the opening night roster next week. There aren't that many mountaintops in L.A., John. 
Um, just... <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, boom. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, speaking of kids, though, uh, it would be safe to say Kings fans' patience has grown thin with Quentin Byfield. We need something immediate. Yeah, you know, I would say it's probably 60-40. I would say there's a, a faction of fans that are just, you know, they never have patience for any player. And if, if a guy doesn't get drafted, make it to the NHL and immediately score 50 goals, he's already a bust. And then you have other people who they've been listening to the smarter folks. They've been listening to the Marchionettis of the world and, and Christian Rutus and, and even Nelson Emerson and some of those guys who are in scouting and development and talking about where this young player is at. Sure, everybody would love it if he would have came, uh, you know, fallen into the National Hockey League and been an impact player from day one. It's very difficult to do when you're a teenager. Very few players are able to do it. And for most guys, it's a little bit of a slow burn. Uh, there, there would be some pressure on Quentin Byfield for sure. He's, given an, he's being given an opportunity, or I'd say he's earned an opportunity this year to play up on that top line. If you look at the underlying analytics that we've pointed out many times, that line was highly effective. Even though Byfield wasn't showing up, uh, you know, in the goals and assist columns, that line was very effective, him with Kempe and uh, Kopitar. So the plan is to keep that line together here this year, and we'll have to see if Quentin Byfield can turn the page. Again, though, you go back to two summers ago or three summers ago at this point, whatever it's been, the reason that they went out and signed Phil Deneau was insurance. They bought insurance against the development path for Quentin Byfield. They didn't want to rush him. They wanted to let him take his time. And so it's worked out just fine. And then now you go out and you get PLD as well to also add to that center depth. So the organization is not as concerned as anybody else outside the organization might be with the development path of Quentin Byfield. They're perfectly fine playing him on that top line, letting him get minutes, letting him mature. And remember, keep looking at that age column. He's a very, very young player, and he'll continue to grow into his body at six foot five. He's going to be an impact player in the NHL. He's getting there. It just is going to take a little bit longer. You can preach patience. The guy after him was Tim Stutzla, and I think a lot of fans know that. And I, I mean, you can't always compare, but there is a reality to be faced. Johnny, what does the blue line look like going into the season, and where does Brant Clark start his year? Well, Brant Clark probably starts in the American Hockey League, but the blue line looks fantastic. It's probably as deep as it's been in over a decade. Uh, in Los Angeles. Of course, up top you have Mikey Anderson playing with Drew Doughty. They've been a steady pair here over the last couple of years. Solid. Next line down, uh, I told you this earlier in the summer, for my money, Gavrikov was as big, if not bigger, of an acquisition than PLD. You look at getting him locked up uh, to a deal to stay in Los Angeles. Gavrikov on the second pair playing with Matt Roy, very effective. That's a key difference from where the Kings started a year ago when they were trying to put square pegs and round holes on the blue line. Love that line of Gavrikov with Roy. And on the third line, you're probably looking at Toby Bjornfoot on the left side. And then Jordan Spence will start the season most likely on the right side. Uh, it could be Brant Clark. It could be Spence going back to the American League. But Spence has really done everything they've asked him to do. He's able to uh, quarterback the power play. He's able to play solid defense, contribute offensively, and he's been biding his time. He's been an NHL player playing in the American Hockey League versus Brant Clark, who played in the OHL and now just turned pro. So the, the, the most likely scenario has uh, Spence starting at uh, the, the right side of the third pair and going ahead and sending Brant Clark back down. They only have room, from a cap perspective, to carry one extra player. I'm not talking one extra defenseman. I'm talking one extra player, so one healthy scratch on opening night for the L.A. Kings. Will it be a forward? Will it be a defenseman? 
most likely it'll be a defenseman and it would be somebody like Andres England uh, rather than keeping Brant Clark in Los Angeles and then, you know, not getting playing time. Why not send him to the AHL in Ontario, let him play on the top pair, get big minutes, and uh, just like I mentioned earlier with Alex Lafayette, go ahead and let both of those players play uh, a feature role in uh, the AHL and then very close those players up with the Kings later this season, you know, as injuries or trades become available in the mid part of the season. Quickly, last one, John, uh, for the fantasy players out there. Goaltending will be a true timeshare to start? Yeah, well, nobody's saying. You know, Todd McClellan's not telling us, but uh, I would say that it's going to be a 60-40 split most likely. But if it does start the season at 50-50, it will eventually morph its way into a 60-40. Cam Talbot was signed to be the starting goaltender, not to be in a tandem role with Phoenix Copley. There's a lot of respect for what Copley did for the team last year, but the thought is that Talbot is capable in McClellan's structure of getting back to that plus, uh, you know, 9-10, to 9-12 sort of save percentage range, and that should be enough to get them through given their offensive firepower. So Cam Talbot is more the starter than it is a 1A, 1B situation. Excellent work. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate it. You can go back to your rock climbing now. All right, boom. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.